Good morning and welcome to the Bethel Baptist Bible Devotion Time. This is Pastor Donnie Shumate of the Bethel Baptist Church here in North Wilkesboro, North Carolina. I want to welcome you today. Hope you're doing good this morning. And uh, we got a little bit long-winded in our last devotion time. And we wound up having to break uh, John 17, 1 through 3 into two parts. Hopefully, Lord willing, we'll conclude uh, this little section this morning in our study together. I thank God for his word, and it's perfectly okay uh, to slow down and take time and look at the important truths found contained in the Bible. If you have a copy of God's word this morning, I want to encourage you to open up your Bible with me, and let's look at John chapter 17. And we're going to reread verse 1 through 3, and we'll get right into our study this morning. Verse number one, John 17, the Bible says, These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come, glorify thy son, that thy son may also glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, notice that, that he should give eternal life, to as many as thou hast given him. And this is, the, it, this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. What wonderful verses we find here in the scripture. Again, I remind us that Jesus is heading towards Gethsemane. He's heading toward the garden. And we know uh, what happens in the Garden of Gethsemane. But in John chapter 17, again, we find a most powerful prayer recorded. And I love this chapter. What a great chapter it is. It's, this prayer is actually revealing to us a, a personal, loving, and, and continual, a perpetual relationship of love between God the Father and God the Son. And I believe, again, this prayer is prayed prior to the Garden of Gethsemane. We saw yesterday, the last time we were together, in our previous study, the setting of the prayer of Christ, or the scene of the prayer. We looked at the previous words that Jesus had spoken, and how he re referenced them, and we looked at him being the precious Savior. 
And then we looked a little bit and talked a little bit about the scope of this great prayer. It was at the appointed time, and it did bring forth the appropriate truth. And boy, that's some good stuff. The, the, the appointed time was a set time and a set place. Calvary was no mistake. In fact, uh, Calvary was set aside as the place Jesus would die, I believe, before the foundation of the world was ever laid. And the appropriate truth is very important. That the Father would glorify His Son. That means to praise, to magnify, and to honor. That word glorify, that's what it means. And then, in turn, the Son would also glorify or praise or magnify or honor the Father. And as we looked at that, that's where we, we stopped at uh, in our last time together. And again, today, we're looking, and we've looked at the setting of the prayer, the scope of the prayer. But now, let's look again in verse number two, and I want you to see the sovereign power of Christ. In verse number two, the Bible says, And as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. I want to look at that verse for just a few moments uh, this morning, and uh, we'll try to get the next verse as well. But first of all, I want you to see the certainty of Christ's authority over all flesh. Now, that's something that we need to consider. This award is from God the Father. And it shows us the unity of the Godhead, the trust uh, of one another, of the Godhead. Uh, God the Father trusts the Son. God the Father trusts the Holy Spirit. Jesus trusts God the Father and the Holy Spirit. They are all three, one, all equally God, all equal, and yet they have different uh, ability as far as their ability is the same, but they have different designations of their jobs and what they do. And as I look at this, I think about the submission of the Son to the Father, the submission of the Holy Spirit to the Father and the Son, and how they all work together in total unity. It's an amazing thing. But as I think about this, the award is from God the Father, who allowed and gave this privilege to the Son of God. And it shows us, again, the unity of the Godhead. And we should rejoice in that. But not only do we see the reward, but a word is of God the Father, but the authority is over all flesh. That's what the Bible says. Now, the word flesh is a term that is used to describe the fallen condition of man. When you see that term in the Bible, usually when it's uh, in the context, if it's talking about men, and it's talking about men being in the flesh, it's talking about fallen man and or creation or both. And it could possibly mean both. As I look at this this morning, I know that Jesus has authority over all the world, and I realize that he got up from the grave, and one of the things that he said before he left this world, he said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. That word power is the word authority, and that's what it means. So Jesus is sovereign, 
And God the Father has awarded him the privilege, the right to be the authority over all flesh. Now understand that he is sovereign. He is the authority. You are not. I am not. He is over us. And therefore, we should understand that, that we should submit to him because he's God. The certainty of God's or Christ's authority over the flesh. Secondly, not only do I say, I'm talking about the sovereign power of Christ, the certainty of Christ's authority, but the command of Christ's authority over the faith. Now look at this, just as Jesus has power over all flesh, that means all fallen man, all of creation, Jesus has the power to save. I'm about to shout this morning because he has the power and the ability, the right to give to sal the salvation of God to whosoever will. And I'm so thankful that not only does he have the power over and authority over this world, but he has the authority to offer full free pardon from sin. As I think about this this morning, I marvel at it. And I believe that it is to as many as God the Father, according to the scripture, has given him. And that denotes the foreknowledge of God. Now let me say this. I'm not a Calvinist. I do not believe that God has set aside a certain number of people to go to heaven and a certain number of people to go to hell. And it's predetermined. You can't do anything about it. And so, it, you know, you just, you just have to live. And how it works out is how it works out. That is far from what God's word teaches. But God is so wise that God can look from the beginning of time all the way to the end of time. And God already knows who will and who won't. But within mankind, God gave a will to choose. You say you can't prove that. I believe I can. If you go back to the book of Genesis and you read in the garden, God gave Adam a tree that he was not to eat of. He was not to take of the fruit. And God told him it was the fruit of the tree, the knowledge of good and evil. And as I think about that, God gave man a choice from the beginning to choose to obey him and believe him. And Adam was to believe by faith that God meant what he said. And let me say this to you and I, God still means what he says even today. As we're looking at this, it's amazing to me as I see uh, this, this scripture here and the sovereign power of Christ. Well, I must hurry. We're going to have part three on this, on these three verses. But let me just give you the last one quickly. The salvation and purpose of Christ. In verse number three, the Bible says, and this is a life eternal that they might know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. My, my, what a great verse. And, and we could make part three and part four out of, out of that one verse. It's so powerful. The explanation for Christ, his, his coming, his appearance, if you will, was to become the sacrifice of men for sin and to bring God and man back into fellowship. You see, sin separated man from God and God from man. God is holy. Man is sinful. And we all have the Adamic nature except Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God. And the explanation for Jesus coming is simply 
to become our sacrifice for sin and to bring us back into communion and fellowship with God through his salvation. The experience, not only the explanation of Christ's appearance, but the experience of Christ's salvation in this verse we see, it brings us into the only one true faith. Now, you may not like what I'm going to say here, and it excludes all other faiths, but there is only one faith according to the Bible, and you either believe the Bible or you don't. Now, I know the world would like to tell you there's many multiple ways to get to God, but according to the book of God, God gave his son, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There is only one true faith, one true God. You better choose who you believe. Excuse me. <coughs> this morning, we better choose who we believe. And as I look at this, there is only one true faith. And it brings us into God's great fellowship. I'm glad, thank God, that I'm saved this morning and I'm not saved by my works, and I'm not saved by what, what someone said, other than what God's word firmly declares, what Jesus did for me. I put my faith, my trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. I hope you've trusted him as your Savior and Lord today. Well, may God bless you today. Lord willing, we'll be back again in the morning at 8.30 a.m. for another Bethel Baptist Bible Devotion Time. Till then, Pastor Donnie, bidding you a great day. Bye-bye. Child, I know you're sorry for all that you have done.